Gear up as Cash Miller and a team of accomplished guests steer you on an enlightening voyage filled with valuable tips, fresh insights, and effective strategies. Welcome to Marketing Masters, the Agency Power Show. Hello everyone, this is Cash Miller, uh, your host and CEO of Titan Digital. We're here for another great episode and I've got Cliff Blade of Blade Marketing with me. We're gonna be talking about user experience when it comes to your website. You know, it's a really important topic because yeah, websites are a first impression for you and you know, if you don't have some, you know, a good site, you're driving people away. So let's, you know, Cliff, it is great to have you. Um, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. It is a pleasure, Cash. Thank you so much for having us, uh, for having me here today. Um, a little bit about me. Uh, we started Blade Marketing and Design about 2017. Uh, just a group of just uh, soldiers that were just trying to make it. And we just started helping business owners. That is one of our driving uh, passions. We build websites, we do graphical design, we dabble in uh, search engine optimization and marketing. Uh, I appreciate that invite. Thank you so much, Ken. It's great to have you here. Yeah, so we're going to get into, you know, user experience for websites. It's like, there are so many bad sites out there. It's, you know, it's unbelievable. You know, you can still find sites from like, you know, 2005 even, you know, I like to, you know, when I see a really bad one, I'll say that's like circa, you know, whatever year it is. You know, I, think, I think it was probably created, you know, cause it's like in like old Dreamweaver or something. Um, and it's really important, you know, with when somebody visits your site, what you're actually going to see, you know, it can drive people away, but it can, you know, if done right, it will drive them to you and, you know, for them to contact you. So let's talk, you know, Cliff, let's start with, you know, can you define, you know, that user experience for a website, you know, what it should be like, you know, like what is the definition of user experience? Thank you for that question, Cash. Um, we could probably go down a rabbit hole, but what I would like to highlight is probably the five things that I find like the most important. Um, ease of navigation. Um, so many times people can hit a website and they just don't know where to go. So if you don't have navigation, people quickly bounce away. And the load time, we are in a instant gratification society. Mm -hmm. So when a page load time, if it's loading slow, besides our friends and family, no one's going to wait. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like like uh, sometimes uh, when people build websites, they build them for themselves. And that is a good concept if you were paying yourself, but you want to get people to pay you. So uh, I would highlight ease of navigation, page load time. Um, I would definitely talk about mobile responsiveness. Uh, even though we know that we all use our cell phones, some designers forget to, to design for that aspect. And also, I know that I just said that it's not designed for the person, but I also, I highly encourage personalization. Why? Because what separates you from the others? 
The best way that you can communicate your value is by making sure that you are different from your competition in one aspect or another. Yeah, no, that's totally right. Like, you know, so let's start, you know, kind of unpacking that a little bit. And, you know, we'll start with the first one you mentioned, you know, that navigation. Um, you know, everything most people wanted at the top and stuff. What's your thoughts on, you know, like when mobile really came along, you know, we started seeing the hamburger and whatnot. And like when we're dealing with somebody, we, I love, you know, the hamburger navigation and stuff where you get rid of everything on the top on the desktop. It was meant for mobile, but it's being seen more in desktop use. You know, what are your thoughts, you know, about um, companies really embracing that or are we ready, you know, from a, I guess, user standpoint, as we use the internet, we're still used to, you know, I kind of like, like to say, you know, you put the navigation in there depending on your audience, you know, but what are, what are your thoughts on that navigation piece of going the hamburger route versus staying to the traditional side, you know, side of things? That's a very, very good question, Cash. Um, I would have to say that time will tell. Um, the reason why I say time will tell is because we're constantly changing, we're constantly evolving. Um, what we thought was probably not the best right now was like the best thing popping 10 years ago. Um, I would hate to make a broad, a, a broad assumption on, 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 on the future. I'm more of those guys that I like to just like to see exactly where the tide is going. I, I, I don't want to say it's good. I don't want to say it's bad. I just want to, I love change. Yeah. I'm one of those pro change guys. If we migrate to a full hamburger menu as our regular thing, I'm great with it. If we kind of do this half, I call it half, half, because we're trying to change traditional navigation to a more modern nav navigation. And that's looking like a billion different things. I'm just I'm kind of go with the flow. I'm sorry if I didn't answer yeah. your question quite. No. Um, and so the way I like to see things when it comes to nav is depending on your audience, you know, so, for example, say you're a senior citizen's home or something you might want to stick with the traditional nav because you don't want to change things up too much based on, you know, what people are used to. Now, mm -hmm. more, I've seen more companies and websites embracing um, using the hamburger even on desktop, you know, because mm -hmm. on mobile, it's, you know, it's the default. That's what you're going to have. Yes. You know, but on the desktop side, if you still get a lot of traffic, it can be okay to stay to the traditional. But if you're a company that deals maybe you might still get a lot of you know website traffic on the desktop and if you do but depending on sort of the age of your audience and things it can be okay to go to that you know the hamburger route and such because you know it's it cleans it up that's the one thing about it it makes for yes. a, a much cleaner experience and i think more people are accepting and getting used to it and they're not getting lost trying to like look in the corner you know, mm -hmm. of it you know so i like you kind of said, you can go both ways, you know, with it. I think you have to pay attention to who the, you know, your visitor is to your website, you know, who the likely visitor Absolutely. is. Um, if, if I could expand on that. Yeah, sure. Bit, I think that that was a great point that you talked about, uh, creating the website for the targeted audience. Um, that is such a important thing. And that I think that goes back to one of the first things I was talking about. Sometimes the designer will create it completely for the customer and the whole concept. The reason why people hire us is because we understand that we are creating this 
for a purpose, for the visitors to love the navigation, for the visitors to make that action that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. So I completely agree with that. Yeah. And then, you know, your next point or one of your additional points was, you know, mobile responsive, you know, mm-hmm. most websites have kind of, you know, the companies running them and stuff, you know, I figured out, yeah, you have to have the mobile, but the designer, you know, often it's neglected because they tend to design desktop first and then go to mobile. Mm-hmm. And and you can move a lot of the elements around. And in some cases, you need to remove pieces of what might be Very on the true. desktop. You know, so, I mean, where do you see, like, I guess, where do you see the mistakes, you know, companies are making when it comes to having a mobile experience? That's, a, that's also a very good question. Um, a lot of the mistakes that I see with their mobile experience, uh, the elephant in the room for me is a pop-up. Uh, it's like when people decided easy builders and they were throwing these pop-ups and those pop-ups it, on mobile, have you ever had a pop-up and you just couldn't cut it off? Oh, yeah. Mobile? Yeah, and certainly. you're just like, you're looking at this pop-up and what is the very first thing you would you get away from that website. You, you can't cut off the pop-up. Yeah. So pop-ups in mobile, like I'm not saying that pop-ups are not useful. I'm saying that it should not be complicated. It should be small and subtle. I rarely use pop-ups or else if I do use pop-ups, people will initiate. I use that little messenger bot thing mm-hmm. for a pop-up that pops up a little bit on the screen. So uh, pop-ups would be number one. Second thing, is uh, when it's just not mobily aligned. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. have you ever seen people with words pushed off hard to the left mm-hmm. or pushed hard to the right, or else they don't focus on good margins when it's all very small and it's not fully laid out? I, I, I could go on for days. I'm a yeah. website. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, what you were saying about, you know, the left and right alignment and stuff, I've seen ones where, you know, you go to scroll down and you're using your fingers and suddenly it shifts like almost mm. off your screen partway, you know, because mm. they haven't like locked it in. You know, I think, um, you know, you need to be paying attention to like actually load it on your phone and have other mm-hmm. people load it on their phones because depending on, you know, the, um, the phone itself it can vary we do a lot of like uh usability testing you know when we're done with the site to check it on different versions and such you know there's software mm-hmm. obviously that you know can do that um so it's really important another thing that i always uh hate because of how much traffic goes to phones now because you know tablets get some but the stats say you know that depending on what you do the majority of your traffic is going to be on a phone nowadays mm-hmm. um the issue that I see when you're scrolling down, you don't like on a desktop, you can lock in the header and the phone number and stuff. And on the phone, you can do that too, but it doesn't, it's, you're downsizing the screen. So what I see, you know, cause you're taking up a bunch of space if you lock mm-hmm. in the header, but you need to, cause you can do a, um, like a plugin or something where you can put in the phone number on the bottom. Remember they're on a phone. So make it easy to dial, click, find the contact information and such, you know, versus they start scrolling and then they got to scroll all the way to the back. You can lock stuff in on the screen. You know, and I think that's a really you know big thing to do. Um, let's talk about, you know, so as you're going, you know, through the different, you know, the experience and stuff, um, 
the design elements and such that are also on there. You know, how are they impacting the actual user experience as well? Hmm. So with design elements, I'm uh, assuming we're talking icons, graphics, and all of those types sure. of things. Sure, yeah. Right? Yes, exactly. I believe that they add to the communication. Um, we are very big in graphical design, and I believe uh, that assinuates or 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 it just helps communication flow better. One of the things that I've been noticing, even though I don't use them in my websites, is the uh, the the new explosion of using emojis. Uh, we are starting to like seeing an image can can pretty much cut out a lot of words. Mm-hmm. Like when someone said something and they put like a happy face underneath it, like they, like shut the door, but they have a happy face. Yeah, right. <laughs> we understand that in a different fashion mm-hmm. than just having straight words because the imagery adds to the communication. I'm a big believer of that. Yeah. Imagery adds to communication. And the reason why I'm talking about emojis when we're talking about uh, graphical images is I'm just trying to express how we see things and automatically correlate. It cuts off half of the processing time. When we see a great design, mm. we we'll focus on the design and the words, which are important, especially Google, but the words don't hold more as much value. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. Because you know, imagery has always been used, you know, to relay, you know, and reinforce messaging, right? And you know, we have very short attention spans, especially with websites. It's a, it's an interesting thing. Like I know that if I'm reading content on a website okay, a news article, sports article or something, I'm probably going to skip part of it. If I read a book, I'm going to read all of it. You know, I'm not going to skip across anything. But we have like trained ourselves to do that. So what you know, you want using that imagery, you're taking the time to really um, relay in an additional way certain messaging. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. With you. So, you know, okay, so... You know, there's when you're looking at that imagery, you know, or I mean, what are some ways, I I guess, or some elements on there that you can use to enhance messaging, you know, from your experience? Mm. Mm. So I do play it situational because like uh, when I'm working with uh, uh, people that are inside of the pet industry, like your veterinarians, uh, your parapooper scoopers, that's a. (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, a company that picks up yeah. dog food. So I utilize uh, different concepts. Like with that, it's going to be more pet pet thing. So besides just yeah. going in a picture, I would find uh, a graphical solution, like a graphical icon or, or something that's going to represent that and communicate that well. But that's not always going to work if we're, if we're talking about like a uh, hospital or a more traditional uh, people that are more white collared and they just don't have that humor. Mm-hmm. So I would say that it's kind of situational. It's kind of industry specific. I have seen dentists uh, utilize funny icons, but that is like their business brand. So if I could take that back, I would say it is brand specific as far as the way that I could employ those images or those graphics. 
Yeah, it's kind of like using the, the imagery, the different graphics. Uh, you can kind of tell a story in a sense about that particular company and that brand and some mm -hmm. might be you know involve humor and some might not you know and i think that's it comes apart uh, across with a lot of websites and such you know based on the design what they are trying to convey as a whole you know mm -hmm. um, a hospital might be a much uh, more simplified kind of cold looking design and you know where it's more utilitarian versus um, you know, something that's going to be more, you know, could be humor related or something. And yeah, there you go. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, Cause they're trying to lighten it up and veterinarians and things like that, you know, cause they're, they want it to be more, uh, friendly looking mm -hmm. and not so sterile, you know, <laughs> like I say a, Absolutely. a hospital and a lawyer are pretty, you know, they're going to be more sterile, but yeah, a vet, Absolutely. A vet you want to talk brand. They're trying to communicate that professionalism. Yeah. And I think that that's what makes us so important. You got to have professionals that understand your brand and right. can communicate it well. Yeah, no, totally. Okay, so let's get into some of the um, elements, you know, that really matter, you know, for uh, websites and what people are experiencing. Because we think of in terms of graphics and things like that, but there are, you know, there's other things, you know, that really matter. So, you know, website load speed. Yeah, you know, what are your thoughts there? Because, you know, I mean, like I say, we have short attention spans. That's very, very true. And I'm not knocking any platform and I'm not saying any platform is bigger or better. I'm just saying that uh, website load, load time is a very high priority. And the reason why it's a high priority, most people don't think of it, your, the website is being rated. I know that we talk about first page rankings, mm -hmm. but when we say first per, first page rankings, we're really talking that yours has been ranked higher than others. And part of that categorization process is going to be website load speed. Yeah. Like that is that is a criteria. So if you want your website to perform better, not only keeping mm -hmm. your audience attention, but if you want to get up inside of that first page rankings, part of that is your website load speed. It's not the only ranking, but it's a very important ranking signal. Yeah, um, you know, totally, because it's, you know, you're looking at it from, you're, you're building your website for essentially two audiences. You know, mm -hmm. one is the human that's going to visit that site and, again, short attention span. So the quicker it loads up, the better the experience is. The other, you're building it for Google because it's taking it as, an, as a factor because Google, you know, will, will you know, hammers home the point of they want to, you know, prioritize and rank higher sites that provide not only great content, but also that better user experience. And it can't, it can't necessarily like, yeah, it's still an algorithm. So it's not necessarily judging the imagery and things like that. It's, but load time, it can judge, you know, it can see how fast something, you know, comes up internal pages, the home page, and such. Um, and so if you bog it down and it's going to, you know, load slowly, that's going to be an issue. So if you get it to load fast, you're getting a double benefit. If it's loading slow, you're taking a double penalty. Yes, very true. Very true, Dad. So what are some of the, okay, what, 
if we're talking about loading fast, what are some of the things that people need to take into consideration? Um, you know, like pieces of the site. So I specialize in WordPress. I do understand that there are other uh, building platforms out there that you can just take any size imagery and throw it on there. But with WordPress, there are uh, size, size, uh, image size uh, standards. And I would be a very big proponent of image size uh, recommendations. I would be a big proponent in utilizing tools that can make your website loader uh, faster by minimizing uh, CSS, JavaScript, and HTML. Um, mm -hmm. There are, but these, but but having access to these tools are very uh, exclusive to people that are more familiar with WordPress or people that are very familiar with a traditional build out. Uh, I do understand there are limitations with easy building platforms. Yeah, like. There are limitations with those platforms, things like you know a GoDaddy website or a Squarespace or things like that. Um, you know, and of course, anytime you do a website with that versus you know doing it with WordPress, you're married to their system. So whatever, yeah, whatever limitations it has, you're kind of you know stuck with. Um, WordPress, of course, is like the most popular for websites in general. Now it's got you know hundreds of millions of sites or whatever are now built with it. Uh, but there are things you can do. So image size is hugely important. Uh, video, if you're using it on your website, you have to be very careful. A lot of people will uh, use a system like Vimeo, maybe put the videos on YouTube because they're hosted elsewhere and you're just pulling in a feed. You know, so that can be a better route to go. Whereas if you load the video directly on the site, that's going to be an issue. You know, and so there, there are tricks to get the load speeds you know, much higher and reduce the burden. And like you mentioned, the way it's coded too, you know, like minimizing the CSS and such. Yeah. The, like a lot of people, you have to watch out for like WordPress themes that are like pre-bought. You have to be careful with them. There's some very great, you know, wonderful looking themes, but you have to remember that they're also being built to do a lot of things. And sometimes they don't really uh, pay attention to load speed, you know, as much. They want flexibility with it for to be able to sell it as many times as possible. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts um, on themes? You know, let's say with different ones, you know, just not specifics, but like themes in general. So I, I have always been a big proponent of themes because it allows uh, people to see exactly what they're getting, but it's a give and take. It's kind of like what you're saying. Um, they are, pre pre-made and even though pictures can i hate sometimes how they have like they call it a plumber theme or oh, this yeah. or that theme because really in all actuality if you're a true professional anything is just a block of clay yeah. <laughs> you can mold it sure. but uh i would have to say just off the top of my head i like them um it provides good information it allows the sales process to be easy but i also love uh individual uh what is it called like unique builds that are specifically custom designs yeah. Sorry, but i also like custom designs it really depends on what the client wants i'm one of those guys where i don't have a hat 
to throw in the ring, I'm going to work with whoever as long as we can meet certain criteria. Okay, cool. Um, so let's ta talk common mistakes for a minute. You know, mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you see that are very common um, for that user experience, that mistakes that keep happening, you know, that just they're made all the time? One of them is going to cost people money. So let's talk about what costs people money. A complicated checkout process. What do I mean by a complicated checkout process? Sometimes uh, people think too hard into their website and they have you go to so many different avenues and revenues and different areas. I remember it was just the other day. I was just trying to get a new watch and I found this, uh, someone was advertising on Instagram, I believe. Hmm. And when I clicked and I went inside of there because I liked the look of the uh, watch and I just could not purchase. <laughs> and then after the first minute or two of me trying to figure out where the purchase process was or else everything looked great, except for you just couldn't purchase. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> everything yeah. looked great. I mean, I'm a web developer. I'm telling you, it looked good, but I just did not find how to navigate to purchase. Yeah. Yeah. So that's costing people money. Um, something else that's cost costing people money. And I know we're so much in an instant, like everyone wants everything just constantly given to us that we are starting to get away from content. Like we, like, uh, I understand that I'm getting closer to the, like the older generation and this and that, but uh, Google and Bing, they need words to rate the authority of your website. And I understand, oh, well, no one's going to read this content anyways. That's only your perception. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Right. Yeah. You may not have a human reading it, but it's being read. Yes. Yes. So uh, poor, uh, uh, like complicated uh, checkout process. People are starting to leave off words to try to minimize content. And that's great if the ranking systems would only stop caring about words. Yeah. We talked a little bit about poor navigation. I guess that kind of feeds into my very first point when yeah. I was talking about a complicated checkout process. Um, none non-responsive designs like you were talking about people that build only for a desktop and it does not convert well to a tablet does not convert well to mobile mm -hmm. and nowadays mobile's getting crazy because uh what is that new samsung phone that opens up into like a middle yep. sure yeah, it's there's like yeah that's gonna thing. Yeah, that one would have a, a really weird screen uh, screen size, something we're not used to necessarily coding for. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The world is absolutely changing. And uh, these things that we're highlighting, eventually, hopefully, they'll get fixed. Or, I, I, I mean, the world is mean. I love to think of user experience as the unfiltered person. Because even though we all believe that we're good, genuine people, when we actually reach our phones or else we're on the computer and no one's watching us, that is the most honest we are. Yeah. We want to look at something and if we don't like it, get rid of it. Sure. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, um, when it comes to like some of the mistakes, you know, that I've seen, I, you know, I always want 
that you put yourself in the shoes of the visitor, you know, take time to visit and say, okay, if I was a consumer, you know, and I wanted to contact this company, it's a service business, they sell a product, whatever it is, actually take the time to go through your own, you know, the process that's been created, you know, on your website. Because for example, um, the biggest thing I see constantly is contact info. You know, like for us, it's like standing instructions, put the phone number in the header. Okay. You know, um, contact forms are the same way when you're burying them. I mean, it's a, a fact if it's on a desktop and this of course will happen on mobile too. Yeah. A hundred percent of people, we have a, what's known as above the fold. So the, the part that loads on your screen when the, you know, website, when you first go there, right? So that is a hundred percent seen above the fold shows up on your screen, of course it's there. So if you don't have your phone number or contact information in the header, I think that is like, you you can't do that. You have to have it there unless for whatever reason you don't want them to actually contact you. And, you know, and I see people with forms too, you know, if they're gonna use them or if they're gonna have a button that will like have a pop-up form or lead to a form or whatever, they're hiding the stuff, they're burying it, you know, by the time you get to the bottom of the website, to the footer nav and stuff and whatever's above it, only 10% of the people or so actually get there. Everything else is, like I say, as you scroll down, whether it's on a desktop or a phone, you lose people. And that's just the natural progression of things. So you have to have that most important, you know, your calls to action, stuff like that have to be above the fold as much as possible. And then the other thing I, I see when they're, when it comes to like contact info, they give it multiple steps and it's like, no, you know, that you can't do that. That's why even if you have a contact us page, you're not trying to drive people there. You want them to, you know, I say if your phone numbers like on mobile aren't clickable, which they should be, but if they're not for some reason, you know, that's a no, no, because you know, you can't, you've got to make it easy for them. You know, they say if they've got to navigate to another page, so contact us here in a button, but that button is going to take you to another page. Well, if for some reason their internet connection or whatever, the page doesn't load quick enough, you can lose them there versus, you know, this is where I do like using pop-ups, but it's not an automatic one. It's they click the contact us button and then the form might pop up, you know, something like that. That is okay. Yeah. Because, you know, as long as you can, you know, X out of it easily and such, but it's not an automatic, they chose to. So I like using those occasionally because it's like, it comes up above on the page you're on, you're not navigating to another page. You know, so I, I see a lot of times where it's, it's contact related stuff. Yeah. It, and that's the simplest thing, you know, but people will miss it all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you're, I love the way that you're talking about how how like our conversation is that we are redefining the pop-up instead of that intrusive pop-up mm -hmm. that kind of covers your whole screen and you're like yeah i can't get out and i speak of it because uh a, a few easy building platforms they they offer it out there like candy and i understand i didn't just wake up with all of this experience i had to go through trial and tribulation and i had to identify yeah, people don't really like this. <laughs> yeah, like I say, if there's an intent where it's not automatic, I chose to have it and it's either I navigate them to another page or I have something come up right in front of them, the, that pop-up can load a little faster yeah, yeah. than necessarily navigating to another page. But if it's something that is like, you know, you're planning it front of, in front of people and they didn't necessarily ask for it, there's a purpose mm -hmm. for pop-ups. It's just, you know, people can't overdo it. Um, Absolutely. 
So let's talk, you know, uh, ADA compliance. You know, with there has been a prolifer proliferation of lawsuits and such, you know, out there because of, you know, somebody goes to a website and it's not really, they feel um, if they have a disability or something, it's not very user accessible, you know, for them. Um, and so we've seen a lot of lawsuits over the last, I saw a stat once where since like 2013, uh, the number of lawsuits has climbed from something like in 2013, it was like 10 or something to by 2020, it was like 6,000, you know, lawsuits across the country and such. So, you know, how important is it? You know, what are your thoughts on companies, you know, making sure that they're compliant? Thank you for that great question, Cash. Um, that could go down a rabbit hole and it can go so many ways. So I'll sit over there and focus on at least three major points. Um, inclusive, uh, I'm sorry, I couldn't speak for that. Just that word. <laughs> Inclusivity, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we want to ensure that everyone can utilize the website. Um, my clients are, my clients want people on the website and those people that are on the website, they want it. They're on the website for a specific purpose. We want to ensure that everyone can utilize it. So, in, in, in so inclusive, I won't try and say the it's me because yeah. I messed up. <laughs> so, legal requirements. Legal requirements can go in so many ways because we have 50 states and there are different rules for different states. And I don't want to uh, pigeonhole myself talking about one particular state or another particular state. But there is a legal requirement depending on the state that you live in. Um, I, I, I don't want to say it's all 50 because I've been doing my research and different states have different thresholds. Mm. But uh, I definitely want to say that there is absolutely a legal requirement and you can be sued if you do not meet uh, the ADA requirements. Um, you would have to speak to your legal counsel as far as like the actual details because Someone over in, I don't know, Wyoming could be listening to this and they might have a different set of standards. Yeah. If, if that's fair. So I don't want to touch on the legal requirement, but there is a legal requirement for certain states. And let's talk about just um, the SEO benefit, because we forget that there is an SEO benefit to it. Uh, just ensuring that uh, the all images for the Texas. Uh, ensuring that there is a logical content structure. All of these things are good. So if I could just recap these three, uh, the SEO benefit is very good. I would recommend it. Uh, the legal requirement, it depends on the state. And what was I talking about with the very first one? I'm sorry. Um, I think I, in, inclusiveness. Yeah. 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 So also for those, you know, that are not familiar. Um, like I say, this started, you know, almost a decade ago or so that these, you know, lawsuits and some big companies like Domino's, um, Winn-Dixie and such, they've been sued, uh, successfully sued, in fact. But uh, in a lot of cases, and kind of goes to your point of, you know, depends on the court you're in, uh, what state and whatnot, a lot of them are failing. But what's happening is there are some unscrupulous lawyers out there that go find somebody that's disabled. They say, hey, go to the site real quick. Yeah, and they do it. And basically they're kind of influencing them and say, look, 
these people have now wronged you because it's not accessible or whatever. And the lawyer offers to, you know, do something, you know, a split, of course, on the settlement. What the lawyer is trying to do is they're not actually intent. They'll, they'll write a, a letter to whatever company they're targeting. And I've, I've heard of instances, I've got a few clients that before they became clients were sued, you know, for it, but they never end up in court. Okay, what the lawyer is trying to do is get that company to settle for anywhere from five to ten thousand dollars. They'll come out and say, "Hey, you know, we want you know make a demand of so much money." They'll end up settling at a lower price, you know, for it. But you know, so the lawyer doesn't want to take you to court. They just want to be able to send some letters off and settle. But they need a plaintiff to do so, and they find somebody and say, "Hey, you'll get." you know, X amount of dollars for it. Um, if they end up in court, they're likely to lose, but they don't end up in court because the court costs for the defendant will be so high that it's, it's cheaper to settle. You know, I've got one that's a mutual insurance company, and I know that uh, before we took them on as a client, this happened to them, and they ended up paying $6,000 yeah, to that lawyer. And then the same lawyer will go and target somebody else, either in that industry or another industry. It's been happening a lot in Florida. You know, there's a few mm -hmm. lawyers that are intentionally targeting like insurance agencies and such for this. And, you know, they don't have much recourse in defending themselves because it's still cheaper to settle. But the thing that can keep them away. So I like to, uh, there are some different systems, especially for WordPress and whatnot. You can do a, a whole thing on ADA compliance for your website, go through page by page and there are things you can do. But there are some companies that have come out with systems that you can install their systems. Some are paid um, you know, per month and whatnot, subscription-based. Uh, some have free options that will do enough, okay? And when you install one of these systems, you're able to put it, one of the things you get is the icon that allows, because what the system actually does is when you click the icon, the person that's disabled can then change font sizes, change colors so they can read it better. You know, any, they can make all sorts of um, mo you know, modifications to your site for them specifically. When they leave, the, you know, your site is never changed for anybody else. It's only being modified for them in the moment. As soon as they leave, they come back, they'd have to do it again. You know, it's not touching your code or anything like that. But what I like to say is when you put that ADA on there, you know, you've got the handicap symbol. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you've got, you're scaring away the lawyers now because as soon, I agree. Yeah, as, soon as they see that you're not low hanging fruit, you know, Very true. you know, they're going to have to actually do, you know, if they intend on suing you, they're going to have to actually prove that you're not compliant. You know, so that means they're going to go to court and most of them, if you say I am compliant, I am not paying you any settlement, go ahead, try and take me to court. You know, you can counter sue and, you know, like I say, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not making recommendations here, but you'll have a strong case on your side as long as you've done those things. And some of those tools, they actually come with packages that includes a lawyer or else um, right. they will provide you legal counsel in the event. I'm, I'm, I'm very I'm very familiar with it. Mm -hmm. um, thank you for expanding on it. Um, I, I, I misunderstood the context of the question. No, no, you were right. No, you were right on um, because that was the, <laughs> that was the idea. Like I said, there's a bunch of things, you know, that people like, like I say, what you mentioned with, you know, different states, there are different things for compliance, but there's also, you know, in a lot of states, it, it'd be a no-go, but you have to defend yourself. 
you know, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's the issue, you know, so lawyers are scaring people into paying these settlements and such, you know, not very ethical lawyers, of, of course, but, you know, so ADA compliance matters. You want to protect yourself. Plus, you know, your other point, you are making your site more usable for those that are disabled, you know, and so that's a good thing too. You know, it is, it is something you should do, even if you're not worried about the lawyers. Very, very, very true. Um, I was talking to, um, I have a client um, over in Clarksville that works with disabled, uh, that work with disabled people. So if you work with disabled people, it's kind of like, it's like an unsaid. (laughs) Yeah, you you kind of have to do these things, right? Yeah. Okay, so we're at the end of our show today. Um, what last pieces of advice when it comes to user, you know, usability on a website? What would you, you know, say to sum it all up? I believe that we could go down a lot of rabbit holes, but I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that after your website is created, be your customer. Be your customer. Mm. Pretend like you are you have no idea of like your company or anything like that. Take a day before you actually launch it and go through your website. Even if someone builds it for you, go through your website, check out the buttons, check out the links. Uh, a lot of, like I had a customer tell me one time and it made a light bulb go off in my head. He said, yeah, I'm just not quite sure about my customer journey. And I yeah. Said, yeah. Okay, well then let's let's walk through this customer journey together. Yeah. And by going through that customer journey, or was the different paths that customer journey can take? Because we all know that we love people to come to our homepage, but that's not where everyone enters. Uh, mm. Yeah. If it if your page is available on the internet, people can go hit your contact page first. People can go to your about page first. They rarely go to your about page first. But, <laughs> uh, but it's possible. And actually that about page, the about page is the second most visited page on any website, you know, yeah. if, it, if it has one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's part of that know, like, and trust. Yeah. They're trying to know you, like you, and trust you online. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I say. But just going through that customer journey, we'll sit over there and provide you that 